I'm surprised how often I'm, I'm just like looking in the distance and there's like a deer or a, an elk or something. It's And they're saying, feed me, Brent, feed me, feed me, Brent. I think they're trying to steal my Bitcoin, but. Oh, yeah. uh, it could be. Yeah. You know, those deer, they're playing mm-hmm. the long game. Oh, yeah. Those deer are those deer are very bullish, you know. <laughs> I think they're buckish. Actually. It's office hours with me, Chris. Oh, welcome into the office. It's been a minute. Grab a chair, Brentley. Thank you for being here. How are you? I'm great. You even pre-warmed the chair. Just how I like it. Thank you. I'm not going to say how I did that, but yeah, I'll say I spent a solid 20 minutes getting that chair all warmed up for you. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't even, I, I don't want to know. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's been a month. Well, that's one way to start a show. It's been a month. It has been a month. It's, it's nice to be back. Although it, when the show's new like this and then you take a month off. I'm not even sure if anybody's listening anymore. We may have lost all of our listeners. I think we've. I think there's nobody listening. I don't know how we'll ever know. But we do have a bit of a mumble room joining us here today. We got some folks hanging out with us live. Hello, mumble room. Hey, hello, Chris. Hello, hello. Brent. Hello. Hi, hi. Wow. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Nice, isn't it? We've got a good batch in there. Plus, we've got a good batch up on Jupiter Tube and the other streaming platforms. I thought I had a fun way to kind of kick off the show because here in office hours in my office. I like to uh, talk about the podcast industry. I mean, if you imagine you came into my actual office here at Jupiter Broadcasting, which is upstairs, and you sat down in my office, what would we what would we talk about? Eventually podcasting, right? That's what I do. It's our business. You can tell we're serious about it because Brent and I are wearing matching shirts today. So that's how you know. We didn't mean to. It's funny. We uh, both sat down and turns out we were wearing the same shirt. I mean, we're invested, but it's nice. We do have an upcoming road trip, so I think road trips might be on the brain a little bit. In the back of our noggin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to start with a podcasting industry story this week that is really embarrassing. I mean, for our circle, our particular community of podcasting, this is just one of the most ridiculous stories. It's not going to hurt anybody. You know, it's not going to be like something that gets people upset. But at the same time, you know, they could have done better. Here's a fun fact for you. The website for the Linux Foundation's podcast, The Untold Stories of Open Source, uses a Spotify-embedded player which uses a DRM solution and makes a certificate call to a Widevine server on load. Yeah, that was Pod News there, and Pod News covered that the Linux Foundation has released a new podcast, and in a way that's just so gross, they've, they've really focused on the Spotify version with a Spotify-embedded player which requires your browser to support DRM. And you just wish you'd see better from the Linux Foundation. This is an open standard. RSS is an open standard. Podcasting is an open industry. And you'd think maybe the Linux Foundation might try to go that direction, but no. And it's just, it's not like, like I said, it's not a big deal, but it's so embarrassing. Well, I don't know. We get suggestions all the time for trying to push, you know, our, our, community and stuff to use more open solutions. We don't use 100% open solutions for a variety of reasons. A lot of that is just time and effort, but we'd love to. But I wonder what, you know, what was the conversation internally about implementing this solution? And I wonder if they even asked the question you're asking now, which is what about all the open solutions that we already have that are great? I think that's the damning thing. I don't think it even crossed their mind to ask. I don't think going decentralized cross their mind, you know, because the Linux foundation themselves is a centralizing factor 
in free software in Linux. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. They centralize power. They centralize funding. They centralize resources. It's their nature. So I think they didn't even think to ask the question, you know, because there is that saying you can, you can judge, you can judge a person or a company by what they say, or you can judge them by their actions. And this is like a small thing that, but I actually think it does give us a bit of insight into how they think. Fascinating. Yeah. Disappointing. Disappointed to see it. Yeah. Embarrassing. It's funny that pod news picked it up. Too. No, you know, they man. obviously, <laughs> but we did get some really great news coverage for podcasting 2.0, the lightning network and for fountain FM nine to five Mac while we were off the air ran a really positive piece that covered a lot of podcasting 2.0. They write podcasting is back. You might have been wondering, did it ever leave? Well, yes, it did. And they talk about how right here, Brent, in the opening paragraph, A true podcast is based on the open protocol RSS. Any player can be used to subscribe to any show. Right there. They also give Adam Curry a shout out as the podfather right there, which I think is great to see. This is a really well done article. They talk about the open directory behind the podcast index. They talk about value for value in here in a a really clear, easy to understand way. They talk about using the strike app to buy some sats or cash app and it's almost like you had this article like ghost written or something for you. I know, right? I know. I really love seeing this. It's so great. You know, you never know how when standard media outlets are going to cover this stuff, you never know how they're going to take it. But I was really, really well done. Well, that's great to see. I, I hope others sort of jump on the bandwagon and, and enjoy that because some of the underlying technology and the attention that's going to it is really darn exciting, I, I have to say. Uh, our guest who's going to come on in a moment, we're going to talk about Peertube and how that's going to be used for live streaming uh, in podcast apps. And again, I like this because it's using it's using a full free software stack. It's totally distributed. And uh, his name is Alex and Alex Gates. And what's great about Alex is he started as a listener to one of my shows and then he became a listener to one of Adam's shows. And now he's contributing code upstream to the podcasting to stuff all the time. And, you know, from a listener now to a contributor to the new spec. And uh, he helped co-develop Podping, which is the back end used to replace all of these clients constantly doing RSS feed rechecks and stuff. But he'll be on and he'll be on in just a little bit to chat about that. But our our guest that we had on in Office Hours 6, which was last episode, was Mitch from Podverse. And in our chat with Mitch from Podverse, I said, God, you know, what would be great, Mitch, is if your web player with, that you have for Podverse because they have, they have an iOS app, they have an Android app, and they have a web app. And I said, God, you know what would be great is if your web app could be embedded on our website. And before we even got the next episode out, they've done it. They have now released an embeddable podcasting 2.0 Podverse player that you can put on your website. And they've got two different versions, one that shows you all of the episodes, kind of like a playlist style, and one that's just the current episode. And if, the, if you have the Albi extension installed, it'll even do boosts. It has chapter support. It's a, it's a full podcasting 2.0 player that's now embeddable in the web. It's just like perfect timing for us, Brent. Yeah, you wanted this to, to plug into our new website, didn't you? I think that was uh, your main intention, but it turns out everybody wins on this one. I like the player a lot, just in general, too. I really like the way they display the different chapter markers in line um, and all of the features it has as a player. So, so great. So check this out. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's podverse.fm. 
they're working on that embeddable player. So it was great to see. They chose a really great podcast to uh, feature on there, too. Oh, yeah. You thought so, huh? That Linux Unplugged show. I don't know. You know, those guys over there, they're so obsessed with Linux. It's all they talk about on that right. Linux Unplugged show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while we're talking podcast stuff, before we go much further, let's get uh, let's get Alex on the office here because I wanted to bring Alex on as we're developing our PeerTube instance because I want to make sure we're we're going to be right in line with whatever they're doing for podcasting 2.0. And uh, so that's that was really the basis for our chat. He joined me a little bit earlier. Well, on the line with me today, we have the official podcasting 2.0 consultant, Alex Gates. Alex, welcome into the office. How are you, sir? Thank you for being here today. It's nice to have the official consultant in here. Uh, before we go too far, why don't we do a little introduction? Because I bet a lot of the audience probably isn't familiar with your work. Can you tell us how you got started with the whole podcasting 2.0 thing, like the getting to know you bit of it, at least? <laughs> I'm not really a podcaster. I'm not involved in podcasting whatsoever. So my kind of origin story was I, I got involved with the No Agenda crowd kind of through the Unfiltered crowd back when you did the original Unfiltered show. And then from that, I went, I was listening to Podcasting 2.0 from Adam Curry. I ended up joining the Mastodon back in the day when I still had an account, Podcast Index Social. I was just watching the space. And then uh, at the same time, I had I started a PeerTube instance for the No Agenda community, um, just like a free service thing. and. One one thing happened, I think like one of the content creators, No Agenda, had a video taken down. And I'm like, well, I can you can host your videos here and oh we can do video RSS feeds and that's kind of where everything started. So as I started contributing to like the alternate culture standard and so forth. So you're saying one bad podcast habit just has led to another so far. I see how it goes. I kind of scratched my own itch as a user, as a user. So, well, PeerTube is why we are gathered together here today. Same, same as you've been listening to the podcasting to podcast with Adam and Dave. And, you know, you hear talks of what they're working on and what you guys are working on in the community and live streaming in the podcast app, I think is huge because I feel like as podcasters, we've all hobbled together these various different solutions so we could do live stream of our shows. And it's just such, it's just such a wild range. And, the reality is it probably never should have left the podcast app. It probably should always be in the podcast app because that means I get access to the subscribers. The people who are subscribed to my podcast get to know when we're live and it doesn't have to be done in like an annoying way. It's just they open up the podcast app, like in Podverse, they look at their list of podcasts and it says right there, oh, Office Hours is live. I can just tap it and tune in. But how we actually do that on the back end is still kind of being fully sorted out and you're kind of going all in on PeerTube and hacking away at PeerTube to make it possible. So tell me a little bit about what you're changing to PeerTube to make it work in the podcast space, because I imagine there's some things it's missing. Yeah. So all I've done so, so far is, so when you install PeerTube by default, uh, the RSS feeds are media RSS feeds, which is a different namespace. I think it was developed by Yahoo back in the day, um, but I'm, it's missing, the media RSS feed is missing a lot of features and it's not really compatible with uh, most podcast apps. I think some support it, but it's not very popular. I use that as a source to help develop some of the features like alternate enclosure to do it properly to support multiple different sources for the same file and so forth and support all these different files. And using that, I started, uh, I have my own fork of YouTube, which I intend to upstream uh, once I figure out how to solve some uh, additional issues. Uh, what I mostly do is I just add 
a podcast R, uh, RSS feed. Like the enclosure tag and those sorts of things? Or? Yeah, enclosure, alternate enclosure. Um, I'm doing a couple experimental things that aren't even upstream yet in, in the podcast namespace, like offering the tracker as a as an option, like the uh, white point tracker. Oh, that's great. Once we get down the road, hopefully we can use that to help do P2P in the podcast app. Well, you're blowing my mind with that one. I hadn't even gotten that far yet. I was just thinking I'd be, you know, paying the bandwidth bill on that. That's a fascinating idea. It's, and I'm, no one's using it yet. So how does the plumbing work? So I'm a podcaster and I want to get my video stream or my audio stream into a podcasting 2.0 app. Where is PeerTube fitting? What, what role is PeerTube playing in all of this? Depends on your perspective. So from a podcaster, you kind of go to PeerTube and upload a video like you would on YouTube or something like that. You have to deal with the PeerTube's kind of clunky channel management and so forth. But the way I have it set up now is once you have videos set up and uploaded, either regular videos or live stream videos, you go to your channel and you there's a little RSS icon. Um, it's like an orange uh, icon. And you, you click that and you get your podcast feed right there. You can use that to submit. You, right now you can submit it to the index manually. Eventually I'll add PodPing support, which FYI helped basically create PodPing. So once, once you have that, you have a feed set up. It's a fully managed feed. It's not currently designed to fit into another feed, but you could copy some of the elements. It seems to me, like if you look at YouTube and you look at what's gone horribly, horribly wrong, it is the interference that that algorithm creates. And of course, ultimately, why you want the, you want the uh, rewards of the algorithm is because you want views, because you want to get monetized, and you want to make money on YouTube. And it's very expensive to make videos. And so it seems to me that if you were adding some of these podcasting 2.0 features to PeerTube, value for value and boost would be one that might make it more sustainable that would not only take care of that whole, uh, I got to do extreme crazy things so that way I get as many views so I can, you know, get monetized and get, you know, make money. But it, it also would be a signal that's outside of an algorithm, right? Like people boosting a video would sort of be a signal of a popular video. Plus, there could be a split scenario where the proprietor of the PeerTube instance gets a split in there. Uh, this has got to be an area you're looking into right now, I would imagine. Yeah, and I, even, I haven't approached the PeerTube uh, developers yet, but I would like the PeerTube project to get a split too. Like, why not? Uh, I, they, they did most of the work. It's fantastic software. Be a great way for them to make a little bit of revenue as well. Yeah, I don't know if they're interested yet. I don't know how they feel about um, boiling the ocean with Bitcoin and everything, you know, so. Right, right. So I still have to approach them about how, how do we integrate that? Either what do they want it integrated directly into PeerTube or do I have to develop a plugin? And if I develop a plugin, how do I do that with the XML feed and so forth? So that's kind of why it's not upstream yet. So I would imagine their answer initially probably would be, yeah, do as a plugin, but you could see the argument where if you want to affect the feed and put that in there. I want to support things other than Bitcoin Lightning too, just uh, just to have it available. Like that's kind of the open source way, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what you're really close to doing is you're really close to making it possible to just, you upload a video and that could be a podcast. And I don't know if it really should be. Everyone should do that, but I could see the advantages to it. Like the stuff, this show that we produce goes up on PeerTube and uh, I'd, I'd be totally fine if people want to download and watch the the peer tube version, right? It just needs a couple of those features. So I'm really glad you're working on that. You and I have also chatted on cross app comments, the good, the bad, and the technology behind them. 
We see some of this happening right now around lightning comments, which doesn't really quite, to me, feel like the lightning network is the right way to do comments. You had an idea to use uh, a different backend for comments, and I'm just curious if you explored those ideas more, if you thought more about that. Probably won't get into the philosophy behind uh, why the different technologies have their merits, um, but we're in, we're using the, the ActivityPub integration with PeerTube already and putting that uh, the available threads into the RSS feeds. So uh, it's all ActivityPub-based currently, um, which I didn't intend for that to, to happen when I chose PeerTube. It's kind of worked well. So... The RSS feeds have the activity pub object, so to say, of the videos right in the feed. So any podcast app that can read the activity pub comments, which I think it's Podverse and is it Podfriend right now? Probably. Uh, they can display those. I don't know if they reply to them yet. So it's going to be an interesting uh, challenge, I think, for podcasters to wrap their head around that too. There's a lot here. I made the mistake early on really focusing on the boosts with podcasting 2.0, because to me that was like the game changer in terms of how we got messages into the show and how we got feedback from the audience. And that was like, I just went 100% on that because I love that kind of stuff. But as I stick with the, uh, the community and I hear about what's going on, I realize there's so many things that have been missing from podcasting. I'm wondering as you look at all the stuff that's in the podcasting and namespace and what's going on in the community, is there something in particular you're working on right now that you feel like this is the thing that podcasting has been missing? Is it this live streaming stuff? Is it is it something more simple? Is it something else? You could almost go back to the analogy that Adam Curry likes to use. He says he looked at the uh, the original iPod and you know thought it was a radio, but he was downloading MP3s to it, right? So, but he started with radio, and we're almost bringing live back to kind of the origins of where he got the entire idea from in the first place, right? I am a big uh, Twitch and YouTube user myself. Um, I think Twitch is kind of under underrated in the podcast world. Most people just think it's for gaming, but it's really a great um, source of inspiration for all this interactivity we can do with communities, especially with a live chat. Uh, I don't think Twitch has comments, but... Um, YouTube does, right? So what I want to do with PeerTube is have a way for any podcast app to be able to search and display live video streams, audio too, but, you know, I'm I'm working on video, obviously, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both. And one of the reasons adding the podcast RSS feeds to PeerTube helps with that is that's the big thing ActivityPub is missing right now. There's no, like, there's some indexes, but podcasting has really solved the indexing problem. So in addition to that, with live streaming and some of the social features, live chat will kind of be additive to um, live video and live audio. But really, uh, one, one of the last things I wrote about in uh, my blog, I think I only have like four blog posts, but um, I do think comments are a way to bring the community and in, in to have... In, to welcome sane discussion uh, between the community members. I don't think it's for the podcaster, honestly. I can see that. It's for the community that wants to interact with each other. Right. Joe Rogan never said he never read his comments, but the community loved his comment section, right? Yeah, it's good insight. So I, I think I think comments are for the community, and I think uh, bringing that in and having it so that it's completely open would be a big step, I think, 
what what we have today is we have a bunch of proprietary chat platforms. YouTube has one. Twitch has one. Every every platform out there has one. And this is an example of something that's kind of gotten away from us. And even though there's been technologies like ActivityPub and XMPP and other things in the background that we could have used, there's nobody really pushing this stuff forward. And, you know, I was just looking at the list of team members over at the Podcast Index, and it's so great to see everybody over there. And you're right there towards the top of the list, Alex, the official podcasting 2.0 consultant. Uh, and I'm grateful for your work. And I also want to give a plug to newpodcastapps.com. As these live streaming features or alternative closures, maybe you want Opus Audio, or maybe you want search and transcript and boostograms. As these features become available in apps, they get posted over here at newpodcastapps.com. That's sort of the front line of the podcasting 2.0 innovation. Alex, thanks for coming on here and sharing some of the work you're doing. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to take a moment and thank Linode for sponsoring Office Hours. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Go there to sign up and support the show and get $100 in 60-day credit for our hosting provider. We are rocking our Linode shirts. Of course, these are from our last road trip that we went on. Linode's been a fantastic supporter of the Linux community and, of course, of your friends here at Jupiter Broadcasting. And it is the best place to run your server. If you want to run an application on Linux, it's Linode. They've been doing it for nearly 19 years, and nobody does it like them. They have the best in class in performance, customer support, features, 11 data centers around the world. They are their own ISP. They have options for beginners or pros, S3-compatible object storage, DDoS protection, cloud firewalls, and much, much more. Much, much more. We're running systems over there all the time. So go check it out. Go to linode.com slash Jupiter and be like Brent. You could run your uh, umbral node over there on Linode. Why not? <laughs> Seems appropriate. It does. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Thank you, Linode. They wanted to sponsor the show because they want they just they want to just support what we're doing. So that is great. Let's talk about our website. Brent has been getting all it all up in that biz um, with our website. Oh, jeez. And you have. You mean you and you've been you've been learning a little bit of Hugo. You've been learning a little bit of Git, or maybe a lot of bit of Git. I mean, you really have been going all in, and it feels like we're getting somewhere exciting with all of it. Yeah, I there's some real momentum happening now. I mean, we do have a deadline. Which you put. I don't know if that's the real deadline or if that's the like deadline you've told all of oh, us. No, oh, okay. no, 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 it's real. No, no, no. They've been emailing me like, they're like, just to make sure, guys, you are going to be ready, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's real. Well, there's traction. We did an office hours number five that touched on this previously. Um, and Stefan joined us and gave us a little bit of the sort of lowdown on, on the work he's done there. And and since then, which has been, I don't know, a month and a half, would you say, Chris, about that? Yeah, yeah, at least. Since then, Stefan has been really making things happen. And we've gotten others who have been contributing as well. Cairo has helped with doing a bunch of scraping of previous content from, you know, Fireside. And apparently our current website has a variety of different sources and sometimes broken broken things uh, that he's been sort of massaging and uh, getting into the new website. And so the whole reason I'm trying to mention this is that we recently moved um, the sort of source of truth repository from Stefan's uh, repository to the Jupyter Broadcasting uh, repository. So you can you can find it there. I would say now you can also go to jupyterbroadcasting.net 
to see the demo of the site. There's some functionality there, which is really great. It's still sort of, hmm, I will say still early days, but even, even today, there are a few of us that are working on sort of adding all the shows and stuff like that. So there's some cool stuff happening. I want to say thank you to Stefan again. Uh, he's been amazing doing this sort of out of the goodness of his giant heart. So uh, thank you. And he's been also teaching me <laughs> how, to, how to work how to work on a project like this, which is also very much appreciated. So thank you there. Very generous there too. Yeah, it's true. But I also want to say that we probably need some more help. I know there's some expertise. You know, I was trying to I was trying to do some stuff and I know nothing. So we would love some help. You know, some examples we're we're trying to keep track of all of sort of the wish list or maybe what we need to to reach the milestone in the issues around that repository. So you can have a look there. But um some examples would be like some theming and design help would be great. Someone to integrate some search functionality, which I know Stefan can do. And someone suggested using uh, Zinc as the back end for that. So there's some possibilities there. We need some work done. I did see an ask to generate some content from a REST API. I wish I knew what that meant. Uh, someone, but <laughs> we can use some help there too. And even simple stuff like um, extracting missing content from archive.org. I suppose our current website has a quite a few episodes that are broken from Beer is Tasty. Mm. I was just kind of hoping those would be gone forever. Well, uh, archive.org, <laughs> nothing's forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got them, doesn't it? Yeah, so there's all sorts of different types of work. So even if you've not used Hugo before, there's a bunch of different stuff that we can use help with. So I would say, um, please come find us um, on GitHub or even just you know message me directly. Um, do we have a contact page for this show, Chris? Yeah, there there is uh there is the office hours contact page, and I think there's also a drop down on the main JB website. Yeah, find find me somehow, and uh, but also if you just have some features that you would like to see that you know you're not getting from the current website or some things you think might be really nice for the community, GitHub's the place to go, really, right? To to interact on all of this. I think that's where the main sort of conversation around the work is happening. There's a matrix room for the website as well. So there's a little bit of conversation happening there, but really most of the like tracked conversation that we want to um, keep and talk about very specific, you know, features or technology in there, uh, GitHub would be the place to go. It sounds like Reese needs to reach out on GitHub there. It sounds like he's, uh, he's potentially willing to help with design stuff. Uh, Hank in the chat room says that Hugo has been great for his personal blog, way faster and easier to use than Jekyll was. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really, really, really pleased with how far this has come. It's really great, but it does seem like now is the time we need a few more helpers in there, specifically with the look. Like you said, search would be really great, uh, helping import some of that old stuff and maybe just get another set of eyes on this, too, in general. Yeah, I think that's true because a few of us have, you know, some expertise, but um, some things get missed if it's outside of your expertise. And even even simple stuff like I noticed that a lot of the um, a lot of the images and logos and stuff that were pulled are not quite optimized for how they're being viewed, uh, how they're being showed currently. You know, so that's like jeez. Oh, maybe geez. a small thing for somebody, but from your reaction just now, Chris, it feels like this is maybe a big thing that keeps coming up. Of course, I need to dig out assets and stuff. Like it's really been a mess since the demerger because it was. Basically, I just kind of got a dump of stuff in various formats from a couple of different people. And so I have like three stuff spread across three different directories and they're all in the Adobe formats and stuff. So if you're a designer, 
it's just been rough. It's been rough. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to get into it, but it's been rough. Yeah, we, we could use a little help. One of those areas where I feel like I make life a little bit harder on myself, too, by not having easy access to the Adobe stuff. And so I'm constantly like debating if I want to get that working under wine or, you know, like load it up on a Mac install or. Oh, I've been there. I've lived that for the last 10 years for sure. I know how that feels. Yeah. Well, but look at that. We're getting some real love in the chat room for Hugo, too. Nice. You know, I love how all this is coming together. Like, you know, the, the chat there with Alex and he's talking about using ActivityPub and stuff and using cross-site comments. It's, it feels like. We can kind of keep an eye on that kind of stuff, too, and see if some of that makes sense for the website as well. A lot of really cool stuff being worked on right now. And really, we, I think ultimately our goal is, is we just want to build something that works really well for our audience. And I view our audience as they have a higher technical expectation. They have a higher degree of ease with technical details like you know, uh, multiple enclosure types. So you could choose Opus or MP3 or an MP4. Like they can, they can navigate those things really easily. Like, like our, our audience understands that level of stuff way more than I think like, you know, maybe the NPR podcast audience does that. It's only listening to those types of shows. Not to, I listen to some NPR shows too, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's a real general population that isn't familiar with any of these terms. And like, like the Linux foundation publishing and Spotify is for those people. Right. But we are not, we're not trying to, while we're not trying to exclude those people, we are trying to also make something that works for folks who want to use Matrix or folks who know what Mumble is or people who use the Linux desktop before, or people who like to talk technical things or, or whatever, right? People who are just curious. Like that's who we're trying to make content for. And that's what we want our website to be for. And so if we could get our community's eye on it more, then I hope it will reflect that something that, you know, is better for them. Because, you know, we're not trying to create some flashy thing that's going to draw in like the next wave of, of consumers. Cause like, that's not our focus. Our focus is making something that's really great for this niche, which is, you know, one of the reasons why we haven't really doubled down on something like discord or, or Instagram. I mean, we have presences there because we don't want to exclude anybody, but it's not something that we push significantly hard. It's why when we're done live streaming, you know, we were up on Jupiter tube, the archives on Jupiter tube, but the published version, because we get in less trouble with the published version that has to go on YouTube. Right. So that's an audio visualizer. Because the platform just forces our hand on that kind of stuff. So when we're investing in these kinds of technologies, you know, our thought process is very much, we'll build our own platform that serves the needs of our audience. And we're not creating it from scratch. You know, we're, you're, you're using good fundamentals there, Brent, with Hugo and Git and GitHub Actions and, and all that underlying technology. We're just using the building blocks that other platform providers have built to create their platforms. And now we're going to create a platform that we hope works really well for our audience. How the hell we do that? I don't know. We'll give it a go, but I imagine it's probably going to be a process too. Something we'll have to iterate on. We could look at this as like, you know, here's the core replacement for the website. And then some of the other fu functionality could come along with time, I suppose. I don't know. There may be a conversation in that. Yeah. What I find really interesting is that, you know, probably most of you listening are thinking of the website from a, hmm, I'll call it like a client perspective. You know, you're going to the website and interacting with it. But we have to think about deeply, Chris, about how we use it from the back end as well. I don't think we've put enough thought as to like our internal pipeline. I know Wes and you and I have a deep desire to automate as much as we can on that side. And I'm, I'm hoping the new website can sort of automate a lot of that stuff for us and be Hmm. An enabler of maybe more efficiency for us, but uh, there are some there are some building blocks there too. We need to think about and integrate. Yeah, you know, Wes and I have been discussing that a lot, and and part of it is 
they're almost two separate trajectories, right? The front end stuff, because it's based on Hugo and and all this kind of stuff, like we can build that back end piece iteratively to work with that. Uh, it is in progress and it all kind of comes together. We're going to be generating our own RSS feeds. We'll be generating the web page, but there's also just so much other infrastructure that goes behind that. Like how do you update guest information, right? How do you, how do you provide uh, staging information that says to the system that you, you can publish this aspect when these files are ready, but you have to wait for these files and this artwork to be ready before you publish on these platforms and like all of that. And we're sorting that out, but that's sort of the tricky stuff on the back end. But I think Wes has been giving that a lot of thought. Great. Yeah. I'm excited for what it'll become because um, from what I've seen so far, um, the way that technologies interact and what they're capable of and the philosophies behind them is really super exciting. And uh, so I would imagine it's only going to be really impressive in the end. Ooh, I think something just, just came into the studio. Oh, that's fresh. Look at that. We got an email from Justin. Written, he written into the show in the old, uh, wow, oh my gosh, Whew. the old school long form. This seems, this seems really long. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they're great, though. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, hi, guys. I'm currently traveling around while working remotely for a company in the States. That's cool. I've been facing questions on what really motivates me and uh, if I can shift what I'm doing in my 20s to be more satisfied later in life. It's a good time to be asking. He says, in Office Hours 6, you talked about how you want to mount your Starling dish to Lady Jupes for your Montana trip to have internet while you work away. It prompted a question for me. It's clear that you enjoy content creation and being your own boss. It's also clear you're a family person by how much in-depth you talk about your partner, your children, your relatives. Do I? Do I do that a lot? Uh, my question is this. Would you still be doing podcasting in RV life if you didn't have your family with you? Oh. I'll get to that. Uh, in, in other words, how much of the overall satisfaction for you comes from your family as opposed to your work? Ah, that's a deep question. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Uh, he says, I ask this because I don't come from a place with a lot of family support, so they're not a place of satisfaction for me. In early adulthood, I find myself struggling to find intrinsic value in things without feeling the need to pursue certain kinds of relationships. I wonder if I'll ever have the community need to find a job without a real community and how much these things play a role for you. Thanks in advance, Justin. Well, that that's like a universal, like deep question there. That's um, fascinating. Would you still be doing podcasting in RV life if you didn't have your family with you? In other words, how much overall satisfaction for you comes from your family as opposed to your work? Brand, you may have seen this in person. It's like uh, having the family with me while I'm also trying to work on a road trip is supremely complex. And... It involves a lot of help from my wife where she'll organize taking the kids somewhere for a while to get them out of the RV to entertain them for a bit, which takes up her time. And it also means there's less space. So like I can't leave stuff set up as much and I generally have to break things down every single show. But of course, I love having them there and it, you know, it's great creating memory. The RV truly for us, it's just, an, it's a memory machine. It's why I put money into it is because the memories I get out of it are worth more than the money I put into it. And that is definitely because of them. However, there is a sense of massive relief. Like on a road trip, we'll sometimes do something where they'll come for half of the road trip and then we'll fly them back home or something like that or their mom will come pick them up or whatever. It's like this double-edged sword because I then miss them and I wish they were there and everything I see after that afterwards, I'm like, oh, the kids would love this. At the same time, it makes working so much easier and I could be so much more focused that I find it to be a huge relief. So I kind of fantasize 
about a perfect balance in the future where maybe they're old enough to fly in and fly out on their own or they're old enough to caravan or something like that. But it is a it is a good sense of satisfaction. Like there there is a saying that, you know, you can be rich in other things besides money. And the family aspect of it brings that. But Justin, I don't you know, you're 20, you're in your 20s. I mean, I don't feel like you need to be concerned about time or you don't need to be rushed about it either. I think it makes sense in some ways to wait. If I could pass on like advice to my kids, it would be don't marry, don't have kids until you're at least 30. <laughs> Not to make light of somebody in their 20s, but I feel like by my mid 30s, I had figured out a lot more and I understood the way I worked a lot more. Had a better insight into my brain and all of that stuff and what motivates me by, by my mid 30s than I did in my mid 20s. So you're probably working that stuff out right now, Justin. So I'd say don't pull on any single thread too hard, but also don't ignore it. You have any sage advice in there, Brent? Well, I think the the fact that this question is even being asked is a really valuable insight. You know, that that you're self-evaluating and trying to optimize, maybe I'll that's a maybe pernicious word, but I'll put it there. Um I think that is a really great sign that you're trying to get the most out of the time you spend on certain activities. You know, I've been self-employed for ever, basically, forever <laughs> as a photographer. And I think like you, Chris, I put a deep value on experience more so than like, you know, however large or small the bank account is or stability even. And I know that's a dangerous territory. Some people really need that. But if you can, especially in your 20s, chase adventure and experience and meet all sorts of different types of people from all sorts of different places. That's the thing that maybe, you know, jumping in an RV at, at that age would give you, or even just backpacking or whatever. I've, I've not done either of those when I was 20, but I certainly see the value in it. And so I would say just like reaching for worldly experiences, whatever, however you define worldly, maybe it's an online community, maybe it's diving into something you really believe in online, or maybe it's actually, you know, going to see some physical places or some physical people, or, you know, even just going to a conference for a thing you love. I remember the first Linux Fest Northwest that I went to, that was like, that felt like the goal to get there, but that opened up, you know, that's the reason I'm here. It opened up so many possibilities and friendships and like a whole new world of like amazingness. And so I would say, yeah, don't get too caught up on getting it right. That's a really super dangerous trap. And right for Chris might be different than than right for you or right for me. But go out and try a bunch of stuff because that's the only way you're going to get like these little nuggets of, hey, maybe that's really interesting. And you chase that a little bit more down that road. But yeah, ask those big questions, but don't be too caught up on getting them right, uh, says the perfectionist here. <laughs> and remember, always wear sunscreen. <laughs> I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me, in 20 years, you look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future. Or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. 
The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind. The kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing. Let's get to some boosts. Marcel boosted in three weeks ago because it's been a while since we've been on the air. 3030 Sats, the Podverse app sounds great. I like that it's open source and available in F-Droid. Thanks for the interview. I do too. I got to admit, I am very excited about Podverse. The web embed that we talked about earlier in the show, but also the fact that it's GPL and it's an F-Droid, that's huge. They're getting it right. That's huge. That's something that pretty much only AntennaPod did for so long, you know? And uh, an antenna pod isn't available on iOS. And I don't think they have any interest in going on iOS either. We got a double boost from Marcel. 1,000 sats three weeks ago. It was nice. I was able to boost without finding office hours in Fountain using the All Shows feed. So I, I've been asking for feedback. This is Chris. I've been asking for feedback on how people were going about finding office hours because I, I picked such a bad name. And he writes, what I had to do... I had to search for Office Hours Chris Fisher. That brings it up in Fountain. So if you're having a hard time finding the show, Office Hours Chris Fisher does bring it up. But not just that, Brentley. Get ready for this. Marcel came in with a maybe first ever triple boost. Now, it's only 100 sats, but it still counts because it's triple boost. He wanted to say he appreciated our conversation about dynamically inserted ads getting in the shows and what we thought about doing that. And he also mentioned that the reason why he had boosted 3030 sats before is because that's the port he likes to use for developing websites. The dynamic ad insertion thing came up several times in our feedback. I'm not, you know, and I, I feel like if the right talk technology was created where maybe I recorded the ads, right? So it wasn't just like some like radio guy coming on and telling you about this new product. It's a mattress, 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 you know, that kind of thing. That's just super annoying. But it was me just like, hello, friends, I want to tell you about this thing over here. I think if it was a if it was a solution we implemented, we would know where we could actually cut the ads in because we have that metadata in the chapters information and whatnot. So I think if we had our own custom solution that we controlled, that we implemented and we recorded the ads for, it could it wouldn't be so bad. Right. But uh, that's not how any of these systems are done as far as I know. So they're all like hard cut. Maybe they do a crossfade. Maybe if you're lucky, uh, maybe they'll update your chapters. Like one of them will update your chapters. And, you know, it's probably somebody that just recorded this thing and they're throwing it out there. And who knows what their audio quality is or anything like that. Minimum viable ad injection. Uh, we got a boost from Nixer three weeks ago, a thousand sats. Really enjoyed hearing from Mitch at Podverse. Turquoise Fox boosted in 3000 sats. I turned on Dakota Radio yesterday, but I was having a really hard time with PeerTube. It seems like maybe my internet isn't so great. I was having lots of freezes. Turquoise, I am sorry to hear that. PeerTube is going to work better when we have more people on there. And so, uh, you know, as people adopt it, hopefully it gets a little better. We have, you know, 20-ish people watching on Twitch and Ustream and YouTube, 30-ish people all together and about 100 people on Twitter. You know, as some of them... If a percentage of them start moving over to JupyterTube, they'll balance out the network. And the web torrent system, the way it works is then you'll have more peers. Our web seed is based out of Texas. So I tried to centralize it in the U.S., but I was talking with Alex and I've been talking to other folks. It may be possible, although I, I could use some community help here. It may be possible 
that we could spin up linodes in different countries that act as web torrent seeders to our mainstream. I don't know, but it may be possible for us to build a little CDN using multiple VPSs running peer tube reseeding. By the meantime, if the audience just stepped up and switched over to Jupiter Tube as much as they can, and it's fine if it doesn't work for you, if there's a better platform for you, that's totally fine. That's why we that's why we stream. we'll stream there until they stop having us. So that's my plan at least. Or I guess they really upset us. But Turquoise, I, I hope we'll see a build out in your area. But in the meantime, if you can't, we are streaming on YouTube and Twitch and at jblive.tv. So uh you could boost over there. Krugritz boosted in three weeks ago for 3,500 sats. Coming in hot with the boost. Says, uh, my method to madness on boost is this. I would like to eventually replace my Jupiter.party membership with boost and sat streaming. After my first member year of membership is over, I'll probably switch back to the unplugged core membership and switch all the feeds to boost enabled ones. And by the way, uh, 349 sats is approximately one US dollar. But I like even numbers. Uh, I don't even recall what amount I sent for the last one, though. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Keep up the work and the number will grow. Uh, I like that. And I also appreciate True Grits that you're thinking about the value of that sat. That is something we've been thinking about because we're planning to try to raise funds for Brent's uh, gas tank. So that way he can get down to the studio at some point. And so we're having we're, well, once his node finishes sinking, for goodness sake, right. it's like it, <laughs> it just stuck at like 95 percent or something. Yeah, go figure. I shouldn't have said anything on unplugged until it was done. But the reason why I did is when I set it up, it went from like zero percent to 40 percent in like three or four hours. And I thought, well, surely by the time we're live, it'll be done. Yeah, I can't believe it's not done yet. I felt the same. I think it's, you know, resources as it gets bigger, as a bigger and bigger thing, resources become more and more constrained. Should have thought of that. Yeah, we did just get done on this show and on Linux Unplugged doing a split with OpenSats, which is a 501c nonprofit that donates to GPL free software. They donate 100% of the funds they receive to their general fund to free software. And that's that we were sending it to their general fund address. And so for the last month and change, when you were boosting office hours, a split, a 15% split, I think it was, or something, 17% was going to open sets for that month. And between Linux Unplugged and office hours, we raised nearly $300 for them from what I, from my back of the napkin math. And that's $300 that's going to go 100% to free software just by you folks sending in these messages to the shows and also supporting our work at the same time. That was a test. And I think it went pretty well. I would like to do it to specific free software projects in the future and also community members. Like if Stefan wanted to participate for his help with the website or like we want to help with Brent to be able to get down to the studio so we can do like a whole series of projects for Office Hours and Linux Unplugged. And so we'll be pointing the splits. And for a month, once Brent's node's up and running, we're going to do a 50-50 split. So 50% will go to the show. 50% will go to Brent. It's actually going to be probably like 48% to both of us or whatever, because there's like a podcast index fee and like a podcast. Like there's a few other splits in the mix. Totally that, reasonable. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just that's sort of the idea is you spread it around a little bit and support everybody in the process. And so I love and appreciate that True Grits is doing that math and like, OK, well, this is a dollar and that's about what I feel like is a fair value. And that's fine. And some people will feel like more. Some people will feel like less. And I think we're just kind of getting it figured out. And uh, I appreciate the boost. Pew. Nev boosted in. Three weeks ago with 1803 sats. Don't even have to guess on this one. 1803 is the year Ohio became a U.S. state. I never would have guessed this that. This is so great. I'm learning something with every boost. I never would have guessed that, Brent. Would you? 
1803? I mean, no. When you say eight, when you say it like a year, 1803, instead of 1803, when you say 1803, it already sounds like a year. So now it seems obvious. But we would have read it as 1803. Oh, yeah. I would have never, ever guessed. Never. So that's great. Thanks for informing us. He says, uh, I just wanted to share that I know that the member feed thing is being worked on for Linux Unplugged. Uh, at the same time, I was boosting and complaining about paywalls and how they're evil. As someone that has made media content, I know that you guys work hard behind the scenes. And honestly, I just wanted to get my opinion out there. Thank you guys for the work. I think you must have been critical of us. I don't remember. It's all good, man. No worries, Nev. And I'm glad I actually discovered you guys while fixing my Mandrake install many years ago. <laughs> Thank you, Mandrake. Wow. Mandrake was one of my very first Linux desktops. Red Hat and um, Debian were my first server distros, but Mandrake, that was the desktop distro that really made it stick for me. It wasn't like the very first one I tried, but it's the one that stuck for a long time. So I got a special place in my heart for it. I did, I think, play with Mandriva. Was that was that the predecessor to Mandrake or did Mandrake come first? I forget, but it was... Um, Mandriva was after. After. So I must have been playing with Mandrake then. But I remember having a binder of DVDs that you had to, you know, <laughs> put all together to make things work. That was fun. We're moving right along. We had a lot because we were gone for a month. So next boost came in from Patrick. Three weeks ago, a thousand sats. Loving the office hours. I'm a longtime Jupiter Broadcasting listener and a first time booster. Congratulations, dude. That's great. Was a bit of old man yelling at the cloud about the boost. But you know what? It's really good. Here's some support from Podverse. And then, nice. then he double boosted. He double boosted uh, with another thousand sats saying, I'm just loving office hours. It's great sending some more support. I love it. I love that we had a couple of first boosters. People are willing to give it some consideration to give the experience a try to then make their mind up. And I think that's the right way to do it. Try it. See if it works for you. And if it doesn't, we totally understand. There's other ways to contact us and support us. But, you know, I think this is my favorite part of the show. This is so much fun. I know it really is. Yeah. And I, I really like the ones that give us something to talk about that we never would have planned. But also a lot of insights in here. I love it. The Golden Dragon boosted in with a small row of ducks. But honest and truly, I am Robin Hood. He says it's boost in time. Thanks for the great show and the great interview with uh, Mitch. The insights were very nice. DPG boosted in with 750 sats. Hey, Chris and Brent chiming in with Marcel on podcasting ads. I've never appreciated injected ads and they often come off as creepy. When they're geographically targeted. Oh, that's interesting. I have found I'm way more likely to interact with real podcast ads too. Love the show. Yeah. I suppose you get that in Canada. There's probably stuff that's US focused that you don't even, you can't even take advantage of. That must happen to you. I will say I'm lucky enough that I don't listen to too many podcasts that have like uh, injected ads like that. Um, but one show where it was very interesting was a show I was listening to last year called uh, Hello from the Magic Cavern, which is a fabulous show. You should check it out. But they are based in the U.S. They've been around forever, and and they're they're part of I don't know one of the big networks. What was fascinating uh, was that at first, in their very early episodes, they had these injected ads, and I thought, Chris, I was going to mention this earlier in our conversation because they did a really good job of making it feel supernatural. I thought I was listening to ads from like you know five years ago when those were originally recorded, but then something changed. Someone must have made a decision because all of a sudden. Every episode I was listening to was very clearly injected and just they didn't have the same kind of effort anymore. And, and that became very clear when I was listening to an episode and they didn't have any ads anymore. 
So for like a month or two, there were no ads. And I was listening with someone at the same time and they had ads. And I was like, oh, well, that's really weird. But then someone must have caught on to that and fixed it because all of a sudden I was getting like Canadian ads, but it felt so out of place because it was one of the hosts reading ads for Canadian stuff they knew nothing about. So it was just like <laughs> someone gave them some copy to read and they they didn't know anything about it. And it was very clear to a like a you know native Canadian that they just had no idea. So that made it very clear that often geographically targeted stuff just does not work yeah it, it, it it's the little things isn't it it's the little things for that month or two when uh, they broke their ad injection that was really nice okay brent how do you suppose we pronounce this next one e-r-a-o Oof. uh well i uh areo areo that'd be my best guess so uh this is one of our most recent ones from a thousand sats after hearing about the boost i was curious took me a bit to try it out after testing out the system it was actually easier than i thought Finally, I'm trying to get my brother to set it up so he can get some value in, uh, even if it's just a little, for his podcast. Thank you for testing out the new technologies and showing the ways to support the projects we love. P.S. Can't wait for the London meetup. Speaking of which, Ooh, nice. the London meetup has a venue now. We should mention that. I'm trying to get that out there. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I don't have notes on where the venue <laughs> no, is no. right in front of me, but please go check it out. It's from what I understand, it's very central London, uh, easy to find. If you know what you're doing in London, then it's you've heard of it. I think it's the Jubilee. You know, what you should do is my pro tip would be don't listen to us. Go to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. We also have the Matrix space now. So if you would like, you could uh, join that and chat with people. Uh, and if you go over there, you see it. We're going to, you know, we're going to have a new entry over here soon on this meetup page for our West Coast road trip that's coming up. Ooh, I can't wait, wait to hear the details. The Jubilee Park and Garden on the south bank of the River Thames or Toms. Ooh. No, you had it. You had it right the first time, I think. I think it's Thames. I need to watch a little more Top Gear. I just, that's clearly I need to refresh <laughs> my Top Gear. You know, got to get that in there because that's it. We got a couple of thank you boosts, 21 sats from Bill, suggesting we check out a fork of Umbral called UnCitadel. So it's runcitadel.space for that. Uh, we got 1234 sats from NorCalGeek sending in a test boost. Hello, NorCalGeek. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you got that in there. That's great. And 1500 sats from Awesome Math saying, well, I forget what he said, but I just love that guy. So I wanted to make sure we got his boost in here. Thank you, everybody, for boosting into the show. We appreciate it. If you'd like to send us a boost. You can get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com, or you could try out Boost CLI. That's a fun way to do it. Or use Breeze. That's one of the ways I like to uh, send in a boost without switching podcast apps. B-R-E-E-Z dot technology for that. And uh, if you have another way that I've never mentioned before that you think is pretty jazzy, pretty snazzy, the bee's knees, as Brent says, send it into the show. Officehours.show slash contact for that. What else should we mention, Brent? Uh, you actually got that URL wrong. I think it's officehours.hair. Officehours.hair slash content. Oh, you're right. You said dot show. We should get dot show, I'm too. distracted. Yeah. I'm distracted because I got a technical failure here in the studio that I'm oh. attempting to, on the low key, uh-huh. resolve. I'm sorry. While we're also live streaming. You know, I, sh- no, it's not I should have let you just skip that one. <laughs> it is a week. No, we got to make sure because dot hair is an awesome TLD. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it has been uh, every day of the week. There has been a different system has failed. Literally, it's just gone one down the other. It just it started after it got really hot and we were doing that Linux Unplugged. I think it was. Was it Linux Unplugged? We were doing some show where the OBS machine overheated. Oh, yeah, it was. It was Linux Unplugged for sure. Yeah. And then since then, it's been one system after another, Brent. 
Does that worry you? Yeah. In like a catastrophe is imminent sort of way? Well, I mean, I suppose like super worst case scenarios, I could always just do the show from the RV. Since you've got that all figured out. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just like let this place burn, you right? know, just like, <laughs> I'm out. You know, I, I it does. And um, I mean, in part, it's a money thing. I it, All of these machines are all the exact same age because we've replaced them all at once. And now here I am looking to do that again. And it's a part of money thing. And it's in part, I honestly don't know what I'd replace them with. Uh, because I'd want I'd want a powerful system because we do a lot with these boxes and I want to do more. And they're really we're really pushing them now with video. And I want and I want more I want more headroom for that. But at the same time, I don't really think I could afford three Thalios and I don't really know what else I'd want. I don't really know what distro I'd want to use. Like I, I could see the advantage of using something like Nix in this environment, but at the same time, We've also been running off of Ubuntu in here, 18.04, for a very long time. But when I look at new Ubuntu, I feel like there's, A, not all the packages we need, B, I don't want to mess around with all that Snap stuff, and C, it's not where our main expertise lies anymore. So then I start thinking, well, we have a lot of skill sets in Fedora on our team, but then I get trapped in this kind of eight-month upgrade cycle, and here we are, we're using 18.04 systems, so clearly I've been riding that LTS train. Or... I go Fedora, I embrace the eight month, but then I deal with the technical fallouts that happen probably every few upgrades or something. Because in this case, we're often dealing with like community repos that bring in certain jack stuff or whatever, right? So it's like really on the edge. And it's why for a few years we went with Arch on the OBS machine because we just needed the absolute latest stuff. And then when 1804 came out, that had it and we were good. Or do I do a mix and match? Like maybe I keep one system neon. This is KDE neon here. Maybe the OBS system is Nix. And maybe the Reaper system is, a, I don't know, it's Ubuntu or whatever. It's a Fedora. Like maybe, you know, maybe maybe we go three different distros or something. I, I don't know. But that's honestly part of what's holding me up. It's First, it's the money. But then second, it's like, even if I had the new systems, I don't really know what I'd want to do that I could be happy with for three, four years or more, you know? Yeah. I wonder if that sort of point release way of doing things is a, an ability to force you to, you know, every nine months, look at what you're doing and reevaluate at the same time. I would imagine for an appliance, Wes, he would, but for an appliance, you know, we kind of treat those as appliances. And so if, if, you know, you're trying to do a show and nine months happens to be, you know, Right before the Christmas break, when we're the most busy, because of course it. That's would. what it would be, dude. That's yeah, what it would always I know, happen. I That's know. Or like when we're on a road trip or something. That's right? what would happen. Yeah, I know it would, and so that is, I that feels dangerous to me. That feels dangerous to me. I do have some some bigger questions for you. Like, do you need three machines? Is there another way we can do it? I know this is the way it's been for ten years, but or we might need more, really, because like the Reaper machine is doing remote audio it's doing video ninja it is doing the reaper recording and it's also the mumble machine oh my goodness and if we had a guest if we had a guest on live it would also there be another that also be where the guest comes in and all of that is because that's where the mixer is plugged in and so jack could see all of the ports on the mixer and it's all routed inside jack on that one machine so it's doing a lot right and then this machine in front of me the second machine you could say is like my workstation so I've got my notes up. I've got applications we're using. 
it's a much more volatile system. It's getting rebooted a lot. It's got a lot of stuff getting tossed on it when we're talking about it for a show. So this one, it kind of is its own self-contained thing. And then the third machine is OBS, which is doing the video director. It's also doing OBS, but it's also doing a whole other set of jack routing for a bunch of other things that we need. Plus, it's doing the chat room capture. It's doing the live stream encoding and all that and the recording. It's very busy. So we have three very kind of distinct systems. So it's hard to kind of consolidate it. I've, cr- I've thought about it. And when I travel, I do have it all consolidated. And I definitely miss having the three individual systems when I'm traveling. Because OBS, like when we were recording Linux Unplugged, OBS crashed. The whole machine locked up and then it overheated and powered off. But our Reaper recording was on a separate machine. So it kept going. Yeah. That redundancy is actually quite essential, isn't it? It saved us. Yeah. But I would love them to be small machines, maybe if I could, which maybe wouldn't be Thalia's, although they have a small one, uh, because they kick out a lot of heat and fan noise is no good. But there doesn't feel like a great solution. What I want is like something kind of like a Mac Studio for Linux, something beyond a NUC, something between a NUC and a full desktop PC. Maybe that's out there. If anybody knows, boost in and tell me if you got any good hardware recommendations. Because it it need to be really Linux compatible. You know what I'd love maybe is um, that Dev One hardware in a tower, in a little Ooh, mini tower. Interesting. With more USB and because mm-hmm, I need a fair amount of USB ports in here, and maybe some PCI slots. And I that would that would be perfect. That whole Ryzen system with a with an APU that's powerful enough for video encoding, accelerated video encoding, but. Not so powerful that needs a big fan. Yeah. Anyways, if you've got any recommendations, do boost it in. Go subscribe to the show, though, if you're not already, because Office Hours is every other week over at officehours.care. I got it right this time. And um, you can uh, just subscribe by going to the slash subscribe or search in your podcast app or go to the podcast index, podcastindex.org, and search for us over there. And then boost in your, uh, your notes, your comments, your bug fixes. Let us know, and we'll cover them on a future Office Hours. But with that... It's time to wrap up. I want my office back. You got to get out of here. I mean, I appreciate you, but I'm not serving lunch. Go on. I got to eat. I don't want you watching me. <laughs>